This is, um, I love getting to do this. Uh, I feel like I'm talking to a group of friends. So if you don't know me, my name is Michael, and uh, I'm a member of the church here, and I'm not from England. Shocker. Shocking. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for that. People are like, I don't even know where that is. It is in America. Uh, But my wife and I moved to England 18 and a half years ago. Woo! That's right. To uh, to work with teenagers in young life, and we love it. We don't we don't have any plans to go anywhere else. We love being here, and we love being here at Forest Town. So I want to start um, by telling you guys a story. This is a true story. It happened um, the spring of 2012, right before the Olympics were in London. A good friend of mine named Colin um, was trying to get a hold of another good friend of mine named Adrian. And so he picks up the phone and he calls Adrian. And uh, instead of it's a voice, Adrian's voice, he hears a different voice in a different accent. And it's like, okay, that's just weird. And he hangs up. And um, then he tries again, thinking, I must have called the wrong number. So he calls Adrian's phone again. And again, this voice is on the other end of the line. Now, the voice is in a South African accent, right? I can't do a South African accent. I don't want to be mocked trying to do a South African accent. So I've asked my friend Henny to come up here and help me. Come here, Henny. Yes. So I've given you one line. Do you remember the line? Yeah, okay. He memorized it. He worked on it. So, um, <laughs> so Colin says, hello, Adrian, and this is what he hears. Shut up, you. Can you say that again into the mic? Shut up, you. Shut up, you. Thank you, Henny. Big hand. Perfect. Thank you. Henny was dying, by the way, doing that. So that was... He's, his son is dying even worse. His son is like as low in his chair as he can go right now. It's like, oh, <laughs> Lord, why did that have to happen today? It's okay. You will survive this. There'll be more embarrassments to come. Just wait. So um, Colin is listening, and he hears this guy, in a, again, South African accent, I can't do, saying, shut up, you, shut up. And Colin's like, ha that's hilarious, Adrian, you're so funny. But the voice continues, and then he realizes there's like other people there, and they're shuffling around, and this guy's yelling at them, and he's threatening them that if they don't do what he tells them to do, he's going to kill them. And suddenly, Colin's laughter goes away, and he's like, what is this? And he's not sure what to do with it. So he tries with a different phone to call Stella, Adrian's wife, and he can't get a hold of her. She's not answering her phone. Then he tries calling her kids, their kids, can't get a hold of the kids. So then he calls me. I was like, yeah, Michael, do you have any idea where Adrian might be right now? I'm like, I have no idea where Adrian is. And he's like, well, there's this crazy thing happening on the phone right now. I don't know what to do with this. I'm like, well, you need to call the police, like right now. He's like, you think? Is it that serious? And I'm like, I think you should call the police. So he does. And he calls the, the you know, 999, 
And he gets a hold of someone who's like, oh, you need to talk to somebody higher up than me. And he winds his way all the way up to the commander of the police in Hertfordshire. And he takes his phone, which he still has on, and he still can hear stuff, and he puts it up to this other phone so the commander of the police in all of Hertfordshire is listening in on this phone call, right? And he's listening to this person shout at people, tell them what to do. And finally he says, you know what? I think there's a legitimate threat here. We need to call this in to the people in London. So Colin's like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, I'm serious. We're calling this in. So three things happen immediately. As soon as the commander of the police in Hertfordshire decide this is a credible threat, three things happen. One is uh, they, they, there's this thing where they spark um, all of a sudden to have like a task force gather in London immediately. Now, here's what you need to know. Adrian wasn't just a regular guy. Adrian had been the deputy commander of the police in Hertfordshire, but for the past few years, had been working directly for Theresa May as the home at, in the home office. So he was part of the planning for the security of the Olympics in 2012. He had been on that planning team. So he wasn't just a regular dude. This was a high-up guy, and he was missing. So they form a task force in London. The second thing they do, they put out an all-points bulletin in all of Hertfordshire. If you're a police officer, we need you to go to Adrian's house right now. So police officers begin to scramble to go to Adrian's house. And one of them, a guy named Andrew, actually had lived with Adrian and Stella, knew where their house was, and took off directly for their house in his police car. The third thing they did immediately is they launch a helicopter, a military police helicopter from the center of London to head straight out to Hertfordshire to try to find Adrian. This is all happening, and this is all true. Are you, are you in? Do you want to know the rest of the story? Are you like, holy macacholis? Because I was. So this is all happening. Andrew gets to Adrian and Stella's house, and a host of other police officers arrive, and the doors are locked. Andrew knows the house. He's like, I know these people. And they're about to break the door in, because this is so serious. They're up there, you know, got their, their gear in hand, and then the next-door neighbor walks out. He's like, listen, I have a key <laughs> right here. You don't need to smash the door down. Here, just take the key. So they go in the house, and they look around. They can't find Adrian Stella. There's no sense that someone's come into the house and taken them, but they're not there. Then the task force is gathering, you know, to figure out, if, you know, if Adrian has been kidnapped, what else is going on? Adrian Stella, they don't know. And then the police helicopter begins to arrive and gets to Hertfordshire, and they use their... <clears throat> Sorry. Two days ago, I couldn't speak at all, so this is pretty good. So um, they use their monitoring device, and they're like, we now know where Adrian's phone is. So they call it into the deputy commander who's talking to Colin. They said, have you ever heard of a place called All Nations Christian College? And all of a sudden, Colin's like, oh, no. I know where they are. And the deputy, and the commander's like, where are they? He said, Colin, the penny drops. Colin's like, every year, Adrian and Stella go out to All Nations Christian College to train missionaries on what to do if they've been kidnapped. 
So what has happened is Adrian, putting on his best South African accent, he's not South African, he's, he's Greek, by the way, come on, for the Greek people, has answered his phone, his brand new Galaxy phone, and he thought he was turning it off by swiping to the right, but he should have swiped left. Because actually what he did is he put it on speakerphone and then he dropped it into his pocket. He was wearing a big set of camo with a big camo pocket. So his phone is in there. Colin can hear everything and Adrian can hear nothing. And he's screaming at people and yelling at them. And all the while, it's going crazy all over London trying to find Adrian and Stella. So then... As Colin is talking to this guy's phone rings, it's Adrian. Colin, hi, I saw I missed a call from you. <laughs> what do you need? <laughs> Colin's like, I need you to call your commanding officer and tell him what's going on. I mean, there are police converging on all nations as we speak <laughs> to rescue Adrian. Then the guy, they're having a laugh. They think this is the funniest thing in the world. Then the guy drops the bomb on Colin. He said, by the way, the, um, the bill, the cost for this little mishap is about 50,000 pounds. That's what we spent today <laughs> to, to find Adrian. And Colin's like, what does that mean for me? And they're like, it's okay, we're the ones who called it in, it's all good, you don't owe us any money. And Adrian was safe and sound. And what I love is that Sandra knows the story and Darren knows the story, they're all there laughing their heads off the whole time I'm telling it. But it's a miscommunication. Colin thought one thing, Adrian thought another, and it cost all kinds of time and it cost all kinds of money. Wasted a lot of time and a lot of money, right? We don't wanna miscommunicate, do we? We want to get it right. We want to make sure what we have to say is the right thing. Now, I did this talk Thursday night at the uh, CU in Hatfield, and I don't know if you guys know this, but starting on Monday is their missions week. Did you guys know that? They're having a missions week all next week where they're going to reach out to students all over the university. So exciting. Missions weeks actually are happening right now, this past week, and the next few weeks in every Christian university, every university in the country, they're having missions week. In Oxford this past week, Tim Keller has been there sharing with students, with Simon Thomas was out there, the, the BBC Sky, I mean the Sky Sports presenter who knows Jesus, have been out there sharing their faith. This week, these guys have Adrian Holloway come in a BBC presenter. They've got Gavin Peacock, former Chelsea football player and Loads of other people coming out to talk about Jesus at their university. In a couple weeks, we're going to do a missions week at Haleyberry College, where I get to do Young Life. And Cobus is going to come out and share for us. Did you know that? He is. His wife didn't know, but he is. And he's going to come and talk about Jesus in front of the entire school, 850 students. How cool is that? I'm sure he'll fill you in at some point when that's happening. But these missions weeks are going on, and I'm telling them 
Thursday night, as I'm talking to us, we got to make sure we know what we're doing. We want to communicate well because we don't want to waste time. We don't want to waste money, right? So what are we going to communicate? What are we communicating as Forest Town Church on a regular basis to people who walk in that door or people that we never walk in that door but we see at work or we see when we go out to a restaurant or we're out with friends? What are we communicating? And we want to make sure we get this right. Well, here's the first thing we want to communicate. To every single person that we come upon, if you know Jesus, here's what we want to communicate. Ready? Number one, you are invited. You're invited to the party. You are invited to be a part of what's going on here. Not only you're invited, but you're wanted. And you're accepted. We want you here. You look around the room and you see empty seats. Guess what? We would love it if they knew that they were invited to fill those seats. So we had to put out more seats. I work with teenagers, as you guys know, or a lot of you guys know. And social media, they get on their phones. And guess what their phones communicate to them on a regular basis? You're not invited. You've been left out. You're not cool enough. You're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not muscular enough. You're not smart enough. That's what Facebook, Instagram, on and on communicate to our kids. Look what you've missed. Look at all the cool things we did without you. And the last thing we want to ever do as a church is communicate anything other than you are invited. You can be a part of us right? And that's every single person you get to know, every person you're around. When you go to a restaurant later today, when you're in your house and you have a next door neighbor, somebody comes to your, house, to your business and you're filling their teeth because you're a dentist, you're invited to the party because this is a party worth attending. And you're not only invited, you're wanted. John chapter 1 tells us that the Word became flesh, that God became a man and came to earth to invite everybody to the party. Right? Everybody's invited. Wouldn't it be great, instead of arguing with people or telling people how bad they are, that they felt wanted by us, that they felt included by us, I love the fact I was, we were at Relish not long ago, and they had a games night there not long ago where they were playing board games all over the restaurant. And you know what that communicated to all the people who were there? You're invited. You're wanted. Come with us to the party. That's the first thing. You're invited. It's what Jesus did. John chapter 1. The second thing we want to make sure people get along the way as they're invited is this. You are loved. You are loved. You're not only just invited, you're loved. You get to be here. We love you. What does that look like? If a person is not a Christian, if they don't know Jesus, we do not begin to put expectations on them like they have to live like Jesus. 
We just love them right where they are. Whatever's going on in their life, whatever struggles they have, we just embrace them and we make sure they know whatever's happening, you are loved. Now we do this with kids, but this works with everybody. Doesn't matter who it is, right? You're invited and you're loved. There's a passage in 1 Thessalonians, one of my favorite passages in the whole of Scripture. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 8, that says this. It says, we were so thrilled to give you not only the gospel, but also our very own lives because you had become so dear to us. You get that? Because you had become so dear to us, because we loved you so much, we offer to you not just the gospel, not just words, not just a story, but our very own lives. Us. You get us in this mix. Here's the picture for us, Forest Town. We invite everybody to come, but then as they come, we invest in maybe one or two people that we truly get to know and build a relationship with. Maybe it's more than that. Uh, my son, MB, you guys know my son, MB, who almost destroyed a cup of coffee this morning with his Heelys. He plays football on a Saturday morning, and I have a group of dads that are my club kids. Those are the guys that I'm getting to know and I'm building relationships with. And in Young Life, I, we call it earning the right to be heard. I hang out with them, and I listen to them, and I become great friends with all these guys, and none of them know Jesus. So after two and a half years of building a relationship, this one guy named Robin, one uh, Thursday night we're at training, and it's just Robin and I. We're the only two people there. And he says, Michael, can I have a chat with you? And I'm like, sure. He said, my son is the top of his class at school, makes the best marks of anybody. He's, he's on the edge of becoming a black belt in karate, incredible musician. He's in three different bands and he's miserable. He's stressed to the max. He's scared to death that he's going to fail in life, and he doesn't know what to do. And so I said, well, Robin, let me ask you a question. Who's his buddies? He's like, he doesn't have any. I said, when does he laugh? He said, not very often. And he looked at me, and he's like, Michael, you work with teenagers. What do I do? Now, so Robin, you know I'm a Christian. Everybody, all the guys on my team know I'm a reverend, so they make fun of me for that, which I love, by the way, bring it on. And I said, I don't know where you're at spiritually, Robin. I said, but, you know, I think he should come along to Young Life. I think if he came along on a Thursday night, he'd have more fun than he'd know what to do with. He would laugh. He would play games. He would sing songs. He would love it. I said, I think he needs a mentor. I think he needs a guy in his life a little bit older than him just to hang out with him. And he ought to come to camp this summer. I just went for it. And this is what Robin said to me. Ready for this? This is two plus years of building relationships. He said, Michael, I'm a Hindu. Marissa, my wife, is a Muslim. But if our son decided he wanted to become a Christian, we would love it. That would be great with us. He can choose to be whatever he wants to be. Man, we're inviting him to the party. So I gave this to him. Three days later, he came back to me, him and his wife, and said this. They said, Michael, we've been thinking about it. 
And we would love it if you would find a young life mentor for our son to just hang out with him because he needs to laugh and he needs to have some fun in life. Isn't that good? That's what you do, folks. You invest in a few people. You invite everybody. You invest in a few. Maybe it's one. Maybe it's two. You just build relationships. You earn the right. You love them unconditionally wherever they're at in life. Because here's what's happening. When they're hanging out with you and they're getting to know you, here's what's happening. They're figuring out, you say you love Jesus, what does that look like? And actually what's happening is they're figuring out what Jesus looks like by what you look like. Because you and I are a reflection of Jesus. When Jesus left, he said, you're going to get the Holy Spirit, you're going to get to be my hands and my feet and my mouthpiece to the world. The world is basing their, whether they want to trust in Jesus or not, on us, on how we treat them and how we love them and how we love one another, right? That's what Jesus said, John chapter 13. He said, people will know you're my disciples if you love one another. That's how it works. So we invite, then we invest, right? And then ultimately, when the timing is right, we tell them this, Jesus is life. You want real life? You want true life? John 10.10 says this, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, but I came that you might have life and have it to the full. I'm talking about maximum life. I'm talking about what every single person on the planet is looking for. That's what Jesus is offering. Maximum life. Bigger than life. Holy macacholi life. Are you flat kidding me life? He's not talking about having lots of money, by the way. He's not talking about you have the biggest house or you drive the coolest car. He's talking about life in the sense that you, on your inside, find peace and joy and wholeness and rightness and purpose and true love, right? That's what he's talking about. For me, I was trying to think of a good picture of it, and um, it's so cool. We have our good friends, Darren and Annie, here today, and For six years, we were in a small group with these guys. And every other week, they would come to our house with a few other couples. And my picture, it's a little piece of heaven, right? Is that you're sitting around with people that you dearly love, and you're laughing your head off. And you're praying for each other. And you're crying together. And you don't want to leave because it's too sweet. It's too good. That's abundant life. That's what he's talking about. Being with people that you know, no matter what is said or done, they love you. And you love them back in the same way. And Jesus offers that. He offers life. Because we were built for relationships. We were built for a relationship with God and with one another. Right? So we invite We invest, and then I just made this word up. We ingest. I don't know if that works or not. 
We ingest the fact that Jesus is life. And that's what everybody is looking for. When you look at their pictures on Instagram or on Facebook, and they're saying, look at what this cool, I I climbed to the top of this mountain and I got to do this, and everybody wants to take a selfie with all their friends. That's what they deeply want. They just want to know they're loved. They just want to know somebody thinks they're okay. And that's what we do. And that, Forest Town, is what we want to communicate, not just in this building. Way more important than just communicating in here is that we communicate it out there. Right? To everybody. You're invited. You're loved. And Jesus brings life. The life you've always wanted. My final image is this. Jesus told a story about a banquet. And he's like, go invite everybody to the banquet. This is why we do this, by the way. We're following Jesus' lead. He's like, invite everybody. And so the guys go out and they're like, some people said they're busy. They got stuff to do. He's like, that's fine. Go invite more people. Keep inviting. And then it says this. This is Luke chapter 14. And the servant said, sir, what you command has been done. Ready for this? But there's still more room. There's still more room. So the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. That's the picture. We keep going. We keep inviting until the house is full. We have a bunch of camps that we do in the summer, Young Life Camps, and we want to give kids a picture of this. So at one of our camps, we, um, instead of eating in the dining hall with all the kids, we actually take all the tables and chairs, there you go, and we set it up, one long banquet table for 600 kids to sit around. Because we want them to get the picture, you're invited to the table. And we're going to keep going into the world until the table is full. That is what we want to communicate to the entire world. You are invited. You are loved. And that Jesus brings life, the life you've always wanted. Amen? Come on. All right, let's pray. Yes. Wouldn't that be great? Let's do that. Should I do that? Okay. We're going to pray for the missions week as well. I'm just going to pray. Come here. Come here, Chris. Yes, you. Chris is the, um, the president for like a, another week of the CU. Is that right? A bit longer. It doesn't matter. But you're president right now. So I'm going to pray for you as we pray. Thank you, Lord, that um, Chris said yes to you and Robin and Etienne, and all these guys who are here with us who are putting on this missions week, this next week, starting tomorrow at the University of Hertfordshire, and we pray that you would bless it. We pray you would bring tons and tons of students along. We pray for Adrian and Gavin and all the speakers that, that uh, they would connect with students and they would say yes to you. 
that they would feel connected and loved and wanted, and they would feel invited, and they would come. And they would come to know that Jesus brings life, that you are life. Pray for all the missions weeks. I pray for all the universities, God, as they're reaching out to students. And I pray for Haley Berry as well, as Cobus and others will come and share about Jesus in front of all these students, that they too would come to know you and that you are life and that they are loved. I pray this in Jesus' awesome name. Amen.